Well, hello there, me amigos. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics, broadcasting live from Sayulita, Mexico. That's right, Mexico, silver capital of the planet, Plata, as they call it here in Espanol. Cynthia Schramm, stack it and grow. Ah, darn, the feedback button's still on, but I adapted with it. So welcome on in, everybody. Jay Delaney is not a biologist. That's okay. If you're not a biologist, you want to know about silver or economics or Wall Street shenanigans, welcome on in. Hit the share button anyway. Hit that fucking share button like Jeff Curry around a Comex bid. Jeff Curry, hero of the Goldman Sachs cult. David Moulton, good day, mate, from Australia. Weed the people. Ah, ah. Great, Nate. We'll watch over your shoulder, buddy. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics Live. We're going to cover the news because, oh, as Rusty Bentonhammer asked, Chris, did your hair turn silver? No, my hair did not turn silver. I was actually dying it before but I'm accepting who I am. I'm accepting life as a silver investor, not the easiest task in one's galactic calling, although fun in its own right to cover, especially because here's the cool part. Now, let's see if you tuck it down. You see where the cars just went past right there? Where it kind of looks like, you know, that white area right up there to the this side of my head, where it's kind of white and heaven-like like those coma victims going to that white tunnel. They're like, Oh my God, is this, is this it? But as the sun sets throughout this episode, you will see that recede into the beach like waters of the ocean. Oh, there you go. Yep. You can see it there. So we'll cover the silver nickel zinc markets, Keynesian economics, Pink Floyd and more on this great day, April 11th in history, where one, one more, uh, well, I guess not Wall Street establishment market in terms of the zinc market running into some issues where, hey, when the commodity pricing has nothing to do with the underlying commodity, uh, could be an issue there. Yet, is that a, a Wall Street market? I mean, it's the LME, so preceding Wall Street, chicken and the egg, which came first? Who knows, but before Ross Benham finishes up his silver report, let's kick in on this baby, where, as you can see on this glorious headline here, column. Now, I'm not sure that's the, exactly the wording I would have used. Were I approving the copywriting of this particular Reuters article, but why start the quality control now? Nonetheless, warning bells sound in London metal zinc market. Well, goodness gracious. I think they're actually, it looks like they're actually using the same picture <laughs> that they use for those nickel stories following in the uh, Reuters tradition of just slap you know, an Edmonton firefighter jersey on there say, hey, that's Ukraine. What the fuck? No one's going to notice. Anyway, <clears throat> excuse my language. Although, by the way, since today is April 11th, 2022. Wow. Holy Christ. When did that happen? 
Although I did go through my notebook this morning from 2012, and now having passed my 10 year anniversary of leaving Wall Street, I mean, at this point, you think silver's manipulated or not, or not. And more as things go along, I realize what a murky, uh, nonlinear situation this is. So, framing more for the entertainment economic aspect. So, by all means, make your own trading decisions. And I will make jokes about the paper markets that the LME is running because apparently their uh, response of, well, let's shut the market down. Let a guy who was massively short contracts yet was also a producer. So he was hedging, but might not have known what the fuck he was doing while he was hedging. And again, I don't know that. I'm not trying to be respect disrespectful to this fella. Although, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm responding to the fact that he's like internationally known by the nickname Big Shot. Not just Big Shot. I mean, I'm not just. I mean, I guess I'm trying to be funny. No, I'm not trying to be funny. It's more just, it is funny. It was, quote, Big Shot, the guy that was short all of the nickel. So Big Shot was short. JP Morgan was Big Shot's broker. And when the price went so high that Big Shot was getting his keister kicked off, <laughs> JP Morgan was going to have his blowout affect their prime brokerage. Then that's basically when the price of nickel went from 100000 down to 35000 Are we clear on that now? All right. Let's proceed. Although I will pull, in honor of brevity, I will not pull up the nickel pricing later, although it was fascinating to me. If you look at the nickel chart, it was fluttering around 10 to 20,000. So if you remove a couple zeros and you look at the silver chart in between, let's say 2000, late 2016-ish, after something happened to tamp that price down into 2019, 2020, right before that shift in the JP Morgan uh, contract status, right as there was record setting silver deliveries on the COMEX in July, not June, but July of 2020. You know, you, you, there's some fingerprints left behind here, but anyway, not like that could be anywhere similar here because, you know, in a an almost identical situation in the nickel market where uh, yes, and to uh, there was an important takeaway there. Excuse me for a moment, but if you removed a couple zeros before JP Morgan did that, it was almost like 10,000 to 20,000 in nickel, 10 to 20 in silver. So, what if silver went followed a nickel ish trajectory and went to 100 and then settled back down to 35? I'd be cool with that personally, especially if it's before April, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, April 14th option expiration. That would be splendid. And by all means, again, a reminder, no licensed financial advice, but it's just interesting to see that what happens in these other markets where if you just remove the stigma and look at the numbers 
you know, in that sense that people talk about, well, well, you know, I think silver is a little suppressed and it should go up, but you know, thirty dollars. I mean, come on now, stop, <laughs> Bill, stop with the alien talk. Hey, Jimmy, cut off Bill. He's had a little too much. So anyway, I'm just, you know, me and my mathematics. My dad was Egyptian. Kicked my ass in backgammon until I was in high school. Him and his abacus and all that percentage probability nonsense. So let's leave that aside and 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 jump on in here. I know some people are like, oh my goodness, 14 minutes in, give me some zinc and nickel talk, please. So is zinc going to be the next nickel? I'll suspend the commentary. I'll I'll I'm going to read this article straight for the Arcadians tonight. Because even as the London Metals Exchange tries to reassemble the pieces of its broken nickel contract, I guess that means, in, in hindsight, you know, in all fairness, that means I was right when I was giggling at the guy who runs the LME and he was saying, like, I was going to set the price and how he was playing God because he's like, well, you know, when it went too high, you know, that wasn't reflecting underlying value. So here's the same Reuters quoting, the broken nickel contract, maybe Chris Marcus was right. There are signs that zinc could be the next metal market to find itself in turmeric. And there's signs that if you extrapolated what was going on in zinc and nickel, that at some point it's mathematically inevitable to tamp down the silver price, but only tell the banks that he pretends to find and then doesn't really do anything about it so they continue on, dot, dot, dot. Nonetheless, I promised I would stick to the script here. So a raid on LME zinc stocks has seen available tonnage fall to two-year lows. Traders are tapping the market of last resort for metal to ship to Europe where smelting capacity has been idled by high energy prices. Now, I'm not sure I entirely understand that. Smelting capacity has been idled by higher energy prices. Like, holy shit, this market's getting hot. Volatility, Wall Street all over it, buy, sell, action, order flow. We got to shut down our smelting capacity. This is too hot for us to handle. Although, sounds like the perfect smelter for the LME. Hey, what do I know? Let's continue on. But maybe this will explain it because the effect is to tighten LME time spreads and keep the outright price pushing higher. Last trading at 43.20 per ton LME three month metal is sitting just below potential option black hole. <laughs> now, <laughs> All right, little, little side note here. I did work for Susquehanna International Group, 2005 to 2012. Fuck, that was 10 years ago. So, you know, I mean, they would beat the casino or the horse track racing and win. So, I mean, I thought they were smarter than Jeff Curry back then. I didn't really have it all in context, but I don't remember at any point during my tenure there <laughs> where it's like we got smoked on a train. They're like, well, fuck it. <laughs> that just ran into the options black hole. 
just like uh like black shoals in their nobel prize theorem for you know calculated again black shoals i might add who susquehanna one of their quants mapped out from the beginning of time during our training um, although the same folks that gave black shoals the nobel prize laureate also did give obama the war manga a nobel peace prize so there is that yet nonetheless there's a strong sense of deja vu with both the lme copper market which had to be restrained last October and the nickel contract, which had to be suspended in March. <laughs> LME copper market had to be restrained. What was it like? It was like going after some guy's girlfriend. I was like, hey, copper, get back here. What? <laughs> Too much. I don't know. I, this seems unusual, especially because during my mock trading days in Susquehanna, you know, one of the things that we would get, so we're going to be truthful here tonight, I'll say it as is bitch slapped for, was when, uh, you know, we would place uh, uh, one of the mock trades, and this was open outcry, this is when we were clerking, and say, like, I'll buy this, and I'll sell this, and they say, all right, stop, why'd you do that? Well, I did this, X, Y, and Z, because I, I thought the stock was going higher. Well... <laughs> You thought the stock was going higher. I mean, well, the bids and offers are where they are. So going higher uh, had to be restrained. And it just makes me kind of giggle with my old trading roots. Uh, nonetheless, we'll continue on. Perfect bull storm. That sounds exciting because almost 60,000 tons of LME zinc stocks have been canceled in preparation for the physical loadout since the start of the month. Singapore was rated to the tune of 40,000 tons with a balance split between Baltimore and New Orleans. Jesus Christ. I mean, that does not sound good. <laughs> now, I mean... Now, I suppose that's all relative because we're in an economic environment where Joe Biden said inflation, he had a plan during the State of the Union address. Then a couple of weeks later, it was Putin fault, Putin's fault. And then a little bit after that, we're going to face food shortages. You're on your own. Apparently, it's not looking much better in zinc. Because total LME stocks look healthy at 123,000 tons. But the amount of zinc available for physical reconciliation of contracts has slumped to 45,000 tons, lowest since February of 2020, right before COVID hit. So one could say, without having done further due diligence, but just maybe just responding as we're going real-time live here into the intuition, February of 2020. Now, why don't, I, why don't you think what you were doing back at February of 2020? At least what pops to mind to me was going to the PDAC conference late February of 2020. Right, right, well, I mean, COVID had already hit. But I remember, in fact, um, it was a Friday, the last Friday in February that I was flying to PDAC. <laughs> I remember seeing the silver price torch then. Then on the way back the following Friday, so the first one in March, silver price was getting torched again. 
And I remember that clearly. You can look that up on the chart. You can pause this and go look it up. That's 2020 of March. Partly because when I came back, I remember uh, about, it was about a week after that, calling Andy Sheckman and saying, yeah, geez, what, what the heck? I know you've been saying a lot of people are buying, but what happens when the price is getting clobbered? And uh, people say, wow, what up with that? They said, well, for the most part, people know it's rigged. You know, they get the deal and, uh, you know, they just buy anyway. And, you know, it was kind of nice. He was like, well, you know, partly thanks to people like you, you know, they understand what's going on. And there's times where I wonder, has my silver advice done more harm than good? Although, geez, you would think in the long term that these things, even despite Russ, the boss's tamp down, you know, we'd have to be heading in a positive trajectory. So in either case, uh, that's what I remember from February of 2020. And let me put this in a category of things that I couldn't necessarily document or wouldn't say is correct, but interesting to think what things in if one subscribes to the view that COVID wasn't something that just appeared out of left field. And that regardless of the semantics or specifics behind it, that it was known and was planned and what other things may have been, someone may have been worried about in the background. So I believe that that. Anyway, the exchange's European warehouses hold a paltry 500 tons, all at the Spanish port of Bilbao, testing to the squeeze on Europe's physical supply chain. <coughs> you get the gist here. LME stocks in the United States have almost been cleared out. Perfect bull market for zinc analysts. All right, it was a perfect bull market for zinc. Also, the perfect bull market for nickel. Now, I might add, in the years that I've been studying silver, and, I mean, by all means, when someone says, well, you could be talking your book. I mean, literally, that's true, since I, I guess I didn't write the book, The Big Silver Short, but published the book, The Big Silver Short, largely because the reason I walked away from Wall Street was I saw, I'm like, well, Jesus, this thing looks hot, darn rigged, and Fuck, I mean, I think the, the book was almost an attempt to disprove or think, am I missing something or not Not a means of uh, Joe Biden, like, you must accept my view, you know, so. Zinc, nickel. Interesting, uh, as I was studying silver, one of the other markets I noticed that seemed to have similar dynamics or would hear similar things about that I was not as personal in depth familiar with was copper, which has <coughs> soared quite a bit and seems to have similar fundamentals. So Again, we'll touch on Craig Hemke a little bit before we wrap up tonight. Craig Hemke, uh, someone who I admire and was also in the big silver short. 
Um, and he has mentioned, or he, he was saying back when the nickel situation flared up, gee, this is the kind of thing that could spark silver and gold. I certainly think it is. I want to be careful to get my phrasing correct in that. Does that guarantee it? No. I sit there up late at night wondering, all right, there's all these things I've seen for the past decade that indicate what silver should do, yet in the end, you know, Ross made me his bitch on Silver's <laughs> weekend, and I guess when gold went over 22000 bucks up to 2077 or whatever it was, <clears throat> So at least for the option trader in me that learned to distinguish between, okay, there's what the data suggests and indicates and what should happen. And yet, what does it actually take when there's data this, data that, fundamentals this, fundamentals that, and you have some dirt bag capping the price and he's talking about it to his banker buddies who he finds for the public. And then sets a market policy for behind closed doors. Gee, how do you factor that in? Well, it seems to me as uh, everything I study in option trading, the skew should be enormous. The time you affect the supply and demand, depending on how long you affect it for. The law of equal and counterbalancing effect would suggest what the reverberation should be. I think a lot about how Alan Greenspan took interest rates down to 1% in 2004, about a year. And when he finally started trying to raise rates, I believe he got up to five and a quarter percent. What was it 2006 before they started reversing course? So if 1% for a year, and I give credit to Michael Pento, I think he was the one who first mentioned this, him or Peter Schiff, but I think it was Pento. But I thought that was a valid point where it's like, holy Jesus, if they went down to 1% for a year and got up to five and a quarter percent, that led to the housing bubble. That was before we knew what QE was outside of Japan. And now you've had 0% interest rates, 2008, that's, that's a couple of years ago. So as someone who's been studying the gold and silver situation since 2009 and wondering how that unfolds, it's not surprising to see nickel and then zinc and we'll touch on palladium before it's all said and done here tonight. Anyway, you can see this Reuters story here. I will not continue going through the rest now for the sake of brevity, but um, that was Reuters reporting this morning. In some other news that probably is not going to help the situation that you just saw, here is the White House saying it expects inflation to be extraordinarily elevated in a new report. How do I get my hands on that report? Biden administration bracing for Labor Department's consumer price index report show the inflation is extraordinarily elevated. Ah. 
I thought the White House had written a new report, and I would love to read that and the assumptions that they use in that baby. Although I guess they're just referring to the new labor report, which, uh, yes, as I suggested last week, I believe is uh, indeed due out, and we're going to get that one tomorrow morning. So there's something to look forward to during breakfast. <laughs> because Circle Back Saki says, we expect March CPI headline inflation to be extraordinarily elevated due to Putin's price hike. <laughs> Putin's price hike. What? Are, what are you like? Raise the price of popsicles, or the? He refers to it as if it's like the the, the Putin declaration. And I'm not trying to belittle any of these military conflicts. I mean, I. I'm someone who, as a libertarian, has seen people talk about the virtues of owning guns when the government doesn't own any, and I understand that, and yet didn't purchase ever purchase a gun. I hope not to ever be in this situation to shoot someone, so not belittling any of that, but this idea that CPI is going to be inflated due to Putin's price hike. What did he hike the prices of? Silver that's going in all of these missiles. In fact, there's a side note. I was thinking, you know, at the end of the day where, I don't know, could the Fed really just kill demand? I mean, if they raise interest rates and they kill the demand of new construction and Basically, if they just destroy enough business that it actually crushes the demand of everything, well, A, you would have the silver supply fall, especially since a lot of the 70-80% of silver supply comes from primary zinc, copper, lead, nickel miners. So a lot of things going on. But the idea that, anyway, that this is all just blame it on Putin, said circle back saggy. But it sounds like they're expecting this to be even above Jeff Curry of Goldman Sachs' expectations. And that's even with them. I think they still strip out the gasoline. White House says it anticipates a wider than normal disparity between the headline and core CPI readings because of an abnormal increase in gasoline prices that occurred in March. So basically, it sounds like the dog ate <laughs> before they lost it on the sun on the way to class the next day. But let's hear it from Circleback herself. Excuse me for uno momento, as we say here in Espanol. Was not sure if I had hit the share sound button, but now that I have checked and clarified that, let me make that window the appropriate side and then play Circleback so we can hear exactly what she's saying in her usual customary demonic red and then make funny comments and jokes about it. Ugh. So because of the actions oh, yeah. we've taken to address uh, Putin, the Putin price hike, we are in a better place than we were right. last right. month. Um, but we expect March CPA, CPI. Well, even aside from the CPA that she's expecting, I like how she talks about the Putin price hike, similar to like the Nixon price controls. It's just like a, it's like you are, there's already a t-shirt coming out. For last month, um, but 
we expect March CPA, CPI headline inflation to be extraordinarily elevated due to Putin's price hike. And we expect a large difference between core and headline inflation reflecting the global disruptions in energy and food markets. So core infl inflation doesn't include energy and food prices. Uh, headline inflation does. And of course, we know that core inflation, you know, energy, the impact of energy, of course, on oil prices, gas prices, we expect that to uh, continue to reflect what we've seen uh, the increases be over the course of this invasion. And just as an example, since President Putin's military buildup accelerated in January, average gas prices are up more than 80 cents. Most of the increase in, uh, occurred in the month of March, and at times, gas prices were more than a dollar above pre-invasion level. So that roughly 25 percent increase in gas prices will drive tomorrow's inflation reading. And certainly, it's not a surprise to us, but we certainly think it will be reflected. Well, there you go. Now, she did not address what led to the seven, eight, nine percent inflation prints that were occurring for months, even before the Putin price hike, or the rumors of whether she is being courted by CNBC to be a reporter, which I'm sure has nothing to do with her White House influence. Hey, it's not my business and I don't even want to go there. We'll just leave that aside. And instead, look at the U.S. 10-year Treasury yield, which is not showing as much confidence in Circleback as many others might be. Um, because here, if you look at the one-year chart, you can see quite a steep hike here. Well, let's take a look at the five-year. Obviously, back in the day, yields were coming down quite a bit. But as you can see, this is Let's put it to the max so we can be fair about this. If you look back to, here's January of 1980, really essentially when the economy and the U.S. financial Wall Street system was breaking back then, but it required dirtbags at the CFTC and COMEX price capping the silver market and then bringing Paul the arsonist Volcker in to raise interest rates We'll leave aside what he was involved in earlier. But, you know, again, price capping, you know, inversely to the dollar. You see here your dollar strengthening yields going down. So really to the peak here is 2020. Here is, wow, look at 2008 back there. Yields are even going lower with all of the QE and bond market suppression yet again we back out five years or even one year you see that while still nowhere near the historical norms in fact as i mentioned earlier tonight if you go back to here's january here's where greenspan was lowering interest rates back there and then he raised it to the five percent Again, this isn't the Fed funds target rate. This is the 10-year. You see, that was from here. Okay, so from this dip here to there, that's what caused the housing bubble. Taking interest rates. So basically, lower interest rates, printing money. And you try and raise interest rates, take away the printed money. You went from here to here, got the housing bubble. So now, supposedly, we're going to go from here to here or to there or somewhere there, <clears throat> which leads me to believe that, now this is just my own speculation, 
Yet I honestly feel, and I won't get into the reasons tonight why, but they are there that the Fed is looking at this and saying, all right, well, we raise interest rates, we'll kill off a lot of demand, that'll, that'll solve inflation. So much economic destruction will be done. So many people will be hurt. We'll slap so many COVID policies in your face. That'll bring prices down. And whether that will actually happen is, will perhaps take some more reflection and thought yet. I'm feeling more and more confident that that's what the people who decide these things actually do believe, which uh, of course is quite tragic in its own right, yet nonetheless is there's your US government bond market. So anyway, as you can see, if we back out to the one week or the one month, again, uh, another one day here, you see another sharp move today. Here, uh, 275 earlier, uh, what's that? Yep, that's earlier this morning, up to 282. So about seven basis points. And, um, you know, understandably, the Fed's going to raise interest rates, still calling for 200 basis points over the next six meetings. Jeez, I don't think they make it all the way there, but we will see how that uh, plays out. And thank you, Circleback. We'll click away from that one. Here we see the London Platinum and Palladium markets has said it will block Russian refineries from selling the two metals in the London market, the world's largest. Anybody mentioned about gold and silver? Russia produces 11% of the world's gold, 5% of the world's silver. And uh, I guess I, I think I'm going to retire from attempting to say what is happening in the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Maybe, maybe I won't quite retire from that. I have many thoughts, although I just like to be accurate in the things I'm saying, obviously, and certainly not a straightforward situation. But again, just from the perspective of the metals, where a lot of these metals coming from Russia, all of these markets looking like the supply and demand fundamentals already don't add up. So now if you're going to take Russia out of the supply, how does that affect Ross the boss's tamp down? I mean, think there's you would think there's some point which nature at which nature does its course, and I guess the uh, the reason I'm dwelling on that tonight is that's really been the area of research I've been focusing on. Where, all right, well, if we at least are aware that the CFTC commissioner who's tasked with maintaining an orderly market is tamping down the price. What are the physical mechanisms that ever change that? Which uh, fortunately we'll have David Morgan and David Smith on the show tomorrow discussing that. Uh David Morgan, the silver guru and his partner, David Smith. So hit the subscribe button and the notification bell on that. As you can see here, for the crypto fans, not a, a uh, easy day in the Bitcoin market because Bitcoin back down under 39,000. I'll leave this chart up here just for a second. I keep checking it, but here's regular numbers, then thousands, then millions, then billions. So Bitcoin alone. Now, if there's some Bitcoin fans watching here, I'm risking 
run the risk of upsetting anyone yet. The idea of blockchain made sense to me where something transparent where people can see what's going on. So if you're just stealing my shit in the end, in the dark, you know, I can have some way of checking it. That made sense. Although I've soured a little bit on the cryptos, I'll admit in the last few years, because I mean, here it's like, we're, we're in the crisis. I know some people are like, well, one day, you know, and the Fed's going to do this and the government's going to do that. I'm like, look at what is happening. Been locked down for two years. Now Fauci is or someone's saying there's the next this and that. They're in Mexico. People are wearing masks. They're wearing masks around the planet. And you know, let alone Joe Biden threatening the food supply, you know, fortunately here life in mexico i mean there's still food in the store you know it's hard to gauge i'm going to different places whereas a year ago when i got here it was a different area things seem cheaper then it's not seems kind of like what i remember in denver two years ago now where i am so not cheaper yet it's like these things are happening now and I guess in regards to the cryptos, um, it doesn't seem to me like this is like Bitcoin or any of these are ready. Like, you know, if the dollar went down tomorrow, again, I could be wrong. Just uh, I've had some crypto dealings in the last couple of months that have not been particularly perfect yet. Nonetheless, that aside, here we have 751 billion. Forget Bitcoin, forget Ethereum, forget Tether. Let's go to BNB, 65 billion. Now we're led to believe that the above ground supply of investable grade silver is about 2 billion ounces at call it 25 bucks. That's $50 billion. So, I mean, here's, I don't even know what BNB is. It could be greater than sliced bread for all I know, by all means. Yet, that thing, its market cap is bigger than the entire investment grade supply of silver, let alone Tether, let alone Ethereum or all these things. And again, I'm not trying to say Bitcoin can't work or maybe, I mean, I think, I think if we had something that replaced the dollar, Visa, MasterCard and enabled us to transact where a government couldn't rape and pillage and steal would be great. Yet, I mean, we're already using silver. Again, silver at $50 billion market cap, which would be in competition with USD coin, slightly above Ripple, but nowhere in Bitcoin's league. So who knows? Maybe Bitcoin will save us one day in the end. Uh, I couldn't say for sure, but I say this just in terms of a comp. That's something Wall Street is big on. Um, here, speaking of comps, this is interesting. This is the chart of the NASDAQ. Been looking at this one lately. Here, it's good to see that they are looking at Fed's fight against inflation. Doesn't seem like they're winning. We live back here, 2008-ish, 2009. I think it actually got as low as 666 in uh, March of 2009. Don't quote me on that one yet. 978,000, 1,400. Let's, let's even call it, uh, you know, what is it? 1,300. 
that would still be a 10 bagger to where it is now. <clears throat> so let's think about this. In 2008, after the thing crumbled, I mean, we thought, you know, coming out of the dot, here's, here's the dot com bubble. Then, all right, you know, here's 2002, 2003, we're rebuilding, becoming smarter, oracles, building routers or whatever they build. Gets up here to 28, 2900, maybe crosses 3000 3, in uh, 2007 or so. Then the, that bubble pops. So, again, if, you, if, if what we lived through 14 years ago was a bubble popping from one year of 1% interest rates, and that was this. That's that. That was, that was the bubble pop. That was the housing bubble crashing. That. And now in the era since then, when someone who lived in America for most of that time, not the entire time, you know, but, but at least from as far as I can see, the majority of what's happened has been a lot of money printing. This, this, the NASDAQ has gone 10x. I mean, if it's would, would actually, if I'm correct, and it was down to 666, then it went 15x, 20x, whatever x it was. Which is not to say that, you know, and if I had to make a guess today, would be that maybe the Fed continues hiking interest rates. We get somewhere down, somewhere in this. I mean, if we get to 10,000, is that the point where the Fed says, oh, or are we gonna, we're going to be accommodative? Got lower interest rates again. We'll see how that goes. That's my best guess. Uh, the only tool you have is a hammer. <laughs> and NATO plans massive military border buildup on Russia's border, citing major reset. Undergo a major reset and plans to put enough troops in the states to that border Russia to repel an invasion. Won't dig into this one. Interesting anytime the word reset is used. I hear, well, actually, there's not as many people as perhaps a couple of years ago speculating about a reset. I hear things about potential resets. The math suggests that it's inevitable. The dynamics of today's financial system also suggests that the map can be changed when what we assume as a constant is altered. So um, leave some tricky dynamics, but you know, maybe again, perhaps more specifically what I'm saying there is that, I mean, we see the debt continue to go higher and higher. 
which you would think at some point someone is going to get stiffed on this. Someone is going to take the loss, yet as long as we pretend it's a Ponzi scheme, we can all go on and keep the charade going. When does that end? That's the uh, part you don't know yet. Another case. Now we have military resets occurring in addition to the financial resets. So anyway, earlier this week, helping to add to the inflationary interest rate spiking pressure, keep people from the Fed, spook the markets, hear what they said. Here's what they said. Brainerd and Mary Valley. It's a paramount and it is of paramount importance to get inflation down now, Brainerd said. Here's Daly. Raising rates is what is necessary to ensure that, again, you go to bed at night. You're not worrying about whether prices will be higher, considerably higher tomorrow. I mean, that's what raising interest rates is about. Now, Joe Biden saying that, hey, I got inflation under control at the State of the Union, then a couple of weeks later saying it's Putin's fault, and then saying, hey, we might have food shortages because we got to protect Ukraine over the U.S. That, that could be more what it's about than raising interest rates, because if uh, really fighting inflation was what was important, you could say that they could have raised interest rates a decade ago. Now, I know I didn't have a YouTube. Uh, I think my YouTube channel goes back to about 2013. I know some of you didn't hear me saying that a decade ago, but doesn't mean it wasn't happening. So Brainerd can say this or that is important, paramount importance to get inflation down. Well, then you might want to start raising interest rates a lot faster while simultaneously explaining what is going to happen to the economy. I mean, we have the, the mortgage market being such a big part of that. How are the higher rates going to be absorbed there? How are the banks going to, who hold so much of that mortgage debt that we saw unravel during the housing crisis? How is that going to be resolved? So they can talk about their two policy doves. They can do a downward dog, uh, you can oom it out. <laughs> I'm all for the meditation aspect of this. You know, we can clear our chakras and roll around on the beach. And I don't know. Maybe Putin and I mean, I guess Russia already sold all of their bonds. But if China still owns any, still owns some of them, maybe them or the Goldman traders won't take that that type of metaphysical collateral. <laughs> Because here's certain inflation we see brings 300 million in profit for Goldman traders. I mean, holy Jesus. You would think they were talking about a Texas power freeze that was freezing this particular silver bug out of Austin. But in a time when Goldman was aggressively telling its retail clients to come in, largely probably through their pimp Jeff Curry, who they wheel out on CNBC to lie and commit market felonies. Uh, update, I did run that by the lawyers. That subscribe button notification bell and you'll find out more about it when it's ready for to be 
explain. Not tonight. But David Austin was shocked to learn the Fed will hike and hike and hike to crush the soon-to-be double-digit. Wow, the soon-to-be double-digit inflation. Interesting that it's implied as a given here, not that it would disagree. Even as they were selling billions of stocks for their own account. So there's a little Wall Street secret, kids. Just because Goldman Sachs sounds impressive and has a shiny brochure, what they may be saying for you to do, they might be on the other half of, because the bank was also taking the other side of the coin trade by aggressively capitalizing on inflation, same inflation, tends to sell stocks sharply lower. <laughs> uh, I know we've been going a while, so I won't, I won't revert to Carl Levin talking about Goldman Sachs's shitty deal that they sold during the subprime housing crisis. But you can look that up on your own time. You can pause this, look it up. Carl Levin, Goldman Sachs. You can also see here, former JP Morgan traders argue against ex-Morgan Stanley trader testimony. Former JP Morgan traders, these are guys being charged with the RICO Act. You stand accused of organized crime. We're now pushing against the testimony of another trader who is an FBI agent. So you thought this was just like, you know, some guy coming on talking about silver manipulation, this and that, and hunting his aliens and wearing his tinfoil hat to protect against 5G radiation and other dangerous shit that you really don't want inside you. Donnie Brasco stories, but now we're hearing these guys, JP Morgan, this is in Boiler Room. Actually, it is. But if you work in traders, Greg Smith, Novak, Ruffalo, Christopher Jordan, stand accused of spoofing the precious metals markets, which their bank has already been caught doing hundreds of thousands of times. They haven't talked to me about it. These guys are now being charged with the RICO at organized crime. They're pushed against the testimony of other traders and FBI agents. So God darn, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Donnie Braskow in real time. They've submitted a memorandum in law and spur their motion to exclude the expert witness testimony of agent Jonathan Luca. Holy hot darn. Government has disclosed that agent Luca will testify as both a fact witness and an expert witness concerning purportedly common, commonly understood fraud that seems to be a specialty of J.P. Morgan. Defendants note that his testimony makes clear he only has two to three years of watching them spoof the shit out of the gold and silver markets. And furthermore, his experience does not make him an expert with, respoof, with respect to the spoofing terms about which he proposed to testify. So you really have to be an executive at JP Morgan to be well versed on the nomenclature which is used to fuck your clients repeatedly. For example, you know, you can see the details here. Make it look bid, but sell. You know, here's the lawyer speak trying to discount someone who was there for two or three years, then basically got evidence, reported it back, and now they're trying to get the evidence disqualified. So anyway, uh, keep in mind, you can read the details for yourself. This is fxnewsgroup.com. If you go and search for J.P. Morgan, you'll find a ton of stuff. The woman, uh, Maria Nikolova, who I will be reaching out to, it's on my list of things to do. She's been covering this situation 
since my contact at JP at CNBC <laughs> dropped the ball a little bit. Although speaking about contacts, uh, <laughs> my subconscious getting ahead of me there with JP Morgan. Some of you may watch it last week in the chat as we were doing an episode. And I said, I think my mind was just blown so far. I don't even know what to say. Because last week I got a message from a friend that I used to work with 20 years ago at Moody's. Nice guy. We'd go like pump some iron in the gym, get our get our crank on. <clears throat> and true story, he called me because he was he, or not called. He sent me a message on LinkedIn and an email saying, Hey Chris, uh, I was wondering if we could get together some of my colleagues here at JP Morgan. They want to talk to you. It's like a shit. <laughs> Break my kneecaps or uh but apparently they just wanted to know what was going on in the silver market. So in addition to last year, JP Morgan option traders calling Andy Sheckman of Miles Franklin to buy physical silver based on what they were seeing. Now JP Morgan employees are calling Silver Chris. Find out how their bank rigs the market. And uh, that was the news on that. And while their traders are trying to save their own asses, by blaming the credentials of Christopher Jordan. So we will keep you posted on that one. And hopefully I'm, I hope we'll be able to get Maria guest on the show. She's written a bunch of articles. They're quite fascinating. You can see these other tabs. I, I won't dig into it, but here's their salaries. Here's 34 witnesses, including an ex-Susquehanna guy, a trial of former J.P. Morgan traders gets postponed. He didn't have a courtroom to get four people due to COVID when only and all this nonsense. So leave that for tonight and get back here because we're almost time to wrap up. <clears throat> but Arcana announces updated feasibility study for the uh, Rev, uh, Revenue Virginia's mine. Uh, I did want to mention this because obviously we had Arcana on the show many times. How do I say this? Uh, by all means, I vetted any of the companies we bring on here by people who are smarter about the mining stocks than myself. With that said, I mean, it's uh, much different than silver. I feel the companies have a right to get their message out. And there's a degree to which mining, you know, you had conditions shut down at one of their mines, which delayed things. So it's not a straightforward business. I always want to be honest and accountable with the things I'm doing. Uh, perhaps just for tonight, I will say that there is this update. So for any of the fans of Arcana, and I think we have this posted in the link below. If not, check back in a about 20 minutes or so. Yar, if you're watching, perhaps uh, I will send you this one now and you can get that in the description field below if it is not already there. So um, obviously with Arcana, some things did not go as planned, but basically in this link, which will be in the description field below, you can see the update of what is going on, what has happened, uh, the restructured terms with their Mercuria loan, and uh, perhaps we will leave that one there for now. And as we wrap up here, uh, here was Craig Hemke. We're not going to dig into his column, but he had a few great tweets. This was from this morning. There's Silver Futures getting absolutely pummeled. <laughs> you know, 
Some of you woke up, you're like, wow, silver's up 32 cents. And then whoosh. So there you have that. U.S. has seen indications of Russia resupplying and reinforcing troops in Donbass. Uh, shocking estimates show Ukraine's crop harvest could be halved, 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 halved. There you see that one. Uh, and so it begins, Lebanon is out of wheat. Last shipment ruined by moisture. No currency reserves to buy more. State-sponsored starvation. Again, this is behind Craig Hempsey's paywall. So I've gotten his permission before. It's okay to share these things. But certainly at $12 or $13 a month or whatever it is, uh, that Craig charges for that, certainly a good deal. And here you see, again, London Palladium markets will block Russian refineries from selling their metal into London. We'll see how much longer they can keep this trade up for. There is Roger Waters, which for everyone who is uh, got their fill of economic news, I'm gonna say goodnight for now. Although for everyone who would, anyone who would like some music tonight, I was listening to this before the show. It's quite a beautiful piece of history from 1980 when the silver market was spiking. So with that said, I am going to sign off economic portion of the broadcast done. If you would like to shred dance to some incredible Pink Floyd, stick here for the rest of this video. We'll go about 15 minutes. Thank you for being here though. Hit the subscribe button, the notification bell. And we'll see what happens in the zinc and nickel and silver markets tomorrow. Thank you. I always like to do something for the disco fan.
bleeding hearts and I just let him go away with murder. Let me hammer him today.
tubes out there. I hope I think music is a big and important part of all of uh, handling all these things that are happening. So something I've been wanting to make some more. Hope you enjoyed that. In either case that you're out there safe, healthy, and happy. And with that said, we'll wrap up for tonight. But thank you for being here and I will see you again tomorrow. Early morning show with David Morgan and David Smith. So hit the subscribe button and the notification bell, and I'll see you tomorrow morning.